brilliant. Thank you so much. Brilliant. I think this is the first time I've spoken from a clear lectern, so that's a fun new experience. I can see all the way through. I could. <laughs> this is pretty fun. Um, it's so great to be with you all. I bring love and greetings from the King's Arms, who are now into their second meeting this morning, and it was nice for me not to be up by 8.30 this morning, actually, and, and ready and serving there, but bring, bring love from them. It's great to be with you guys, and thanks for having us. We just feel so blessed to be here and really expectant for this morning. Is anyone else expectant? Yeah. Jesus is really good, and um, I, I like to come to church and uh, just realize that anything could happen because God loves to surprise us and break in and heal people and advance his kingdom. And so I just encourage you guys to be expectant. For those of you who don't know me, I'm on staff at the King's Arms. I've been on staff there now for many years, maybe around 13. I've um, been in Bedford for about um, 19 years. I went there to train as a, as a teacher and uh, met God there and uh, did an alpha course, met God and just got sucked into the King's Arms and Bedford. Uh, once, you, once you turn up in Bedford, it's very difficult to leave. I don't know if it's the same here or not, but... With many people who've come to the church, that I just came for a year, and I'm still here 12 years later. Um, but I've had an amazing journey with God, and I, I work four days a week for the church. I oversee a supernatural school there where we're training people to live like Jesus, to be able to bring his kingdom naturally wherever we go. And we're, we're learning that we're actually very powerful people because God's spirit lives inside of us. And we get to love people wherever we go and see him break in. And so I get to do that, get to travel a bit and um, um, uh, raise up leaders and train leaders. So I have a lot of fun and it's such a privilege. And just on that, I will just talk to you briefly about my book. In case you're interested, there's absolutely no pressure, but I'm trying to be less British and more kingdom about promoting what God has actually done. This is, this is God's thing. Um, God spoke to me about writing it several years ago now, and the, the, the prophetic over it was that it wouldn't just be another book, but that, that there would be an anointing on it that when people read it, they would step into stuff. I don't know how that happens, but I thought, okay, well, let's, let's go for it. And I'm, it's just been super fun hearing stories come back for people who are reading it. One of my favorites is a lady who's in a cessationist church where they don't believe in healing, um, they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. She woke up one night with excruciating pain in one of her knees and decided she'd just do some reading. Happened to pick my book off the shelf because my dad had given it to her. And she began to read it. And this happened for a few nights. And, and on one of the nights, she read a bit from the book about how to pray for healing. And, she's, and she thought to herself, well, if Wendy says that you can do that, I'll just give it a go because her, her knee was still in pain. And so she put her hand on her own knee and commanded the pain to go in Jesus' name, and she was totally healed, which was just so exciting. So um, anyway, it's available if you want to get a copy at the back, um, eight pounds, and there's absolutely no pressure, but if you do want it, where are they going to be, Andy? Oh, over there somewhere. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm just going to pray for us, because I really feel like God's spoken this morning about me speaking to you guys about unity, the subject of unity, and uh, I'm very aware that the enemy does not like that topic. The enemy does not like unity. The enemy likes division. And so I just want to pray for us as I start because I just want us to be able to receive everything that God's got for us this morning. So, 
Father, we just thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that you are doing a good work in our hearts. We thank you that you are always good. We thank you that you are always eager to come and bless us, that you're a good, good father who gives good gifts to his children. We thank you that you're better than we realize. We thank you that you have called the church to be a shining light of, of brothers and sisters in unity together, demonstrating your love wherever we go. What a privilege, God. And I ask, Father, that as I speak about unity this morning, Holy Spirit, would you come speak to hearts? Would you come and convict us? Come speak to us where there are any areas of disunity in our thinking. And I pray, God, as a result of this morning, that this church family would be massively knitted together in a deeper way so that they can see uh, this city, this nation, and the nations of the world transformed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to start by telling you a story. Uh, several years ago now, I was leading the youth work at the King's Arms, and uh, a guy called Simon Holly and Paul Johnson were leading the church together at that time, and they'd just come up with some goals for the, for the following year. They'd kind of come up with goals about how many people they wanted to see saved, how many people they wanted to see baptized, and they came to me and they said, could you spend some time with the young people to get them to dream about how many people they want to see saved and how many people they want to see baptized so that we can add their figures into our figures because we're all one family together. I thought that's a great idea. So anyway, I took some time with the young people and I explained, guys, the leaders have come up with these goals and they want us to add into the goals, but honestly, the way I presented it was not very good and it came out of a heart of pride because I said something along the lines of this. Guys, these are, these are the goals that the guys have come up with. They're okay, but I think we can dream bigger, was kind of my approach. They're okay, but they're not really full of faith. So I reckon we, as young people, could be loads more full of faith. Let's really dream big about what God wants to do so that we can add it to the church's goals, but really it was so that we can show them what faith really looks like, if I'm being totally honest with you. So we come up with some goals, and they're really big and awesome and I, we put them in with the in with the rest of the guys anyway a few a few weeks later one of the parents of one of my young people came up to me and she said wendy i just wondered could you keep an eye on so and so my daughter she said over the last couple of weeks i've just noticed that she's become a little bit proud about her position in the church and she kind of is saying stuff about the young people kind of being better than the rest of the church, and she's just got a bit of pride that's come in her heart. She said, I don't know where it's come from, but could you keep an eye on how she's doing and where that's coming from? And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I know where that's come from. That's come from my leadership. But I didn't, obviously I didn't say that. I said, of course, I'll keep an eye on her for you. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me. But honestly, when she spoke to me, I was just convicted in my heart. I thought, oh my gosh, I have done that. I have done that, and I knew I had to do something about it, and so I knew I had to speak to Simon and PJ and just confess to them that, that I'd basically caused division between the young people in the church, so I remember having a meeting with Paul and Simon and being absolutely petrified, I don't know if you've ever had those kind of meetings where you know you need to, need to say something, but you don't want to say it, and you basically sweat the whole way through the meeting, and I don't know, anyone else, you're looking blank at me, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the only one who sweats at those kind of meetings, but I knew I had to say something, got to the end of the meeting, and I said, guys, I just need to confess to you, this is what has happened, my heart wasn't in a good place when I did this with the young people, and I, I'm just, I just want to say I'm really sorry to you guys, and that I'm going to go and repent to the young people, I'm going to say sorry to them. So they were lovely and very gracious, and the next time we gathered together as young people, 
I just said to them, guys, I just want to apologise to you because the way I led you when we did those goals was out of a place of pride. And the reality is we're all one family together and we're all going after the same thing. And the way I led you was not good. And it caused pride to come in, in our hearts and, and division. And I just want to uh, repent and say sorry to you guys. And I want us to spend some time repenting together. And they were all brilliant. You know, the young people were brilliant. And we stood together and we took a moment to repent. And we took a moment just to say, God, we're really sorry for how we've approached this. Uh, we're, we thank you that we're all one church family together. And it was amazing. And then we worshipped. And I, I, can't, I can't remember a time when I felt God's presence break in as much as I did on that night. Um, we repented, we restored unity, and then we worshipped, and God's presence just rushed in. It was absolutely amazing. And I think I experienced for the first time the reality of a Psalm 133. And in Psalm 133 it says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. Some versions say there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. It's a beautiful psalm. And the truth of this psalm is that where God sees unity, he actually commands a blessing to be poured out in that place. This is amazing, guys. This is not just a fridge magnet to put up on your kitchen wall as a nice idea. There is a spiritual something that happens where God sees brothers and sisters dwelling in unity. He literally sees it and says, right there, I, wanna, I want my blessing to pour out. Where God sees unity, he commands a blessing. In, in the case of the story I've just shared, it was his presence being poured out upon us. And, I, and I, I feel like this whole topic of unity at the moment in this season particularly for the church is really crucial because we are in a time where there is so much division and hostility in so many different areas, politically, racially, nation against nation. There's so much division that I think now, maybe more than ever, the church if we could really get to grips with pursuing unity together and being family together, we would be a shining light to the world of what it looks like to live in unity. Because where God sees unity, he's going to pour out his blessing and people are going to have to take notice and think, what is going on over there? As God pours out his blessing upon us. And I, I, I don't know much about you guys as a church, but I, I'm going to assume that you've got lots of promises over you. Because God loves to give promises to us as his church. And I just want to suggest to you guys that one of the ways that you are going to step into all that God has called you to as a church family is to increasingly learn what it looks like to pull together as family on the mission. To really learn to love each other and have each other's backs and cheer each other on so that where God sees unity, he pours out the blessing of his promises over you as a church together. And you know, the reality is that the blessings we receive from God, which could look like lots of different things, his presence, promises fulfilled, his kingdom advancing, is not just for our sake. I don't know if you guys know that you don't just exist for this church. Did you know that? The, the blessing that God wants to pour out on you guys is not just for your sake, it's for the sake of this city. 
this nation, the nations of the world. The blessings, where God sees unity, he pours out his blessing. And the blessings that we receive, we get to give away wherever we go. So the more you experience God's presence, the more you can give his presence out wherever you go. The more you experience God's kingdom breaking in, the more you can release his kingdom wherever you go. It's not just for our sake, it's for the sake of the world around us. Do you guys know you exist for the world around you? You guys okay? Good. I'm happy for you to talk to me as, as we go. Really happy for you to do that. Where God sees unity, he commands a blessing. And I just want to pick up two very simple ways that you can maybe go on a journey of growing in unity together. There's always deeper levels of unity to go after. But before I do that, just one quick aside. Unity does not mean that everybody agrees. Okay, I just want to I just want to help you understand that, okay? Unity does not mean everybody thinks the same and agrees. There's never any disagreement. That's not true. That's why that's why unity is so beautiful in God's kingdom because unity looks like lots of different people with different opinions and different ideas and sometimes disagreements still choosing to love each other and be for each other and cheer each other on. That's why unity in the church looks so different to unity in the world because in the world we're taught that unity means everyone thinks the same. That's not what God's like. You get to be fully you and disagree with the people around you and still be able to keep unity because your hearts are together. And the bottom line is, all of us at one point didn't know Jesus and now because of his grace we do. It was nothing to do with us and we're all in the same boat. We're all on the journey, same journey together, which is amazing. So permission to disagree with people in this church, I hope it's okay to say that. Permission to disagree but to maintain unity of heart together. And if you're here this morning and you don't, yet, you don't yet know Jesus, it's so great to have you. So glad you're here. And I just want you to know that Jesus has fun adventures lined up for you. And I would, just lo- I would love, love you to come to the front of the end or just find someone who's part of the team here to chat to them. Because Jesus has rescued you, he's died for you, he's risen again from the dead for you. And he wants you to be part of this family and to know what unity really looks like. So, are you guys ready? for the two very simple tips to grow in unity. You guys up for this as a church family? I mean, maybe you're totally unified already, I don't know. But cer- certainly at the King's Arms, we need to work on this, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's a, it's a thing. So, first thing is this, very simply, how to grow in unity, thank God for each other. Thank God for each other. The Apostle Paul in the Bible is a real provocation to me on this one. I don't know if you've skim-read his letters that he wrote in the Bible, but um, he thanked God for the people he was writing to a lot. Let me just read you some examples. Romans 1 verse 8, he says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. That's a challenge. All of you. 1 Corinthians 1 4, I give thanks to my God always for you. Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians 1.2, we give thanks to God always for you. That's a provocation to me. All, always. I mean, those words wouldn't come up in my vocabulary if I was talking about thanking God for people. I do feel a bit sorry for the Galatians. Church in Galatia, the letter to the Galatians, doesn't have that in there. Paul goes straight in and challenges them about religion. 
says, who has bewitched you? Poor old Galatians, I feel a bit sad for them. But the thing is, Paul wrote these letters, it wasn't just a nice idea, it wouldn't have just been lip service that he was giving to them, as in it's just a way to start a letter. This would have been genuine, heartfelt, he genuinely thanked God for them. As he prayed for them, he thanked God for all of them. And, you know, it wasn't like he didn't challenge them, but his heart behind his challenge was always about bringing unity and bringing togetherness. I wonder what your letter would read like if you were to write a letter to City Hope or to other churches you're connected to. Maybe it would go something like the letter I might write to the King's Arms, if I'm being totally honest. I thank God for most of you. (laughs) And only some of the time when I remember to think about it. But there are some of you who actually get on my nerves a bit and I kind of wish you'd change so that you were more like me. Anybody? Anybody? Come on now. I know it. I know. Anybody? Okay. Do you know what? The truth is, when it comes to thanking God for people, it's often easier to thank God for the people who are more like you because they make sense, don't they? Anyone ever thought to themselves, oh, I just wish they were just a bit more like me? Anybody? Come on now. Be honest. It's often easier to thank God for the people who are like you because they make sense to you. You understand how they tick. You understand how they're wired. When they make that response, you think, oh, of course, that's the natural response. It's much harder to thank God for the people who are different to you, isn't it? The people who respond in a certain way and you're like, I don't understand. What? what? I don't understand that. Who have different opinions or different ways of doing things or different thought processes. It's much harder to thank God for those people. But, you know, the reality is that every single person God has put around me in my church family is a gift to me. And the same is true for you. Every single person God has put around you in this church family is a gift to you. The people who are like you and the people who are different to you. Together, we make up this beautiful family. And if one of us wasn't here, we would be missing out. The truth is that God, God can teach us stuff through everyone who's around us. And, and, and here's the deal. Thanksgiving in our hearts for the people around us is what opens us up to receive what God wants to give us through them. It's thanking God for the people around you that opens your heart to receive the stuff that God wants to teach you through that person. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to use some string. So I'm going to... I've never done it from this far away before, but Matt, catch that. There we go. Claire, you didn't want me to throw it at you then. You didn't want me to throw it at you, it might hit you. Okay, what's your name, sir? Paul. Got it? Oh, sorry, that was my throw. That was a bad throw. That was probably my throw. Okay. No, you, you, don't have to, you don't actually have to catch it. Okay. Whoa. Okay, I'm going to wheel it out a bit more and I'm going to throw it better. There you go. See, it was my fault. Okay. And then, Rebecca, you catch this one. Got it? Right, okay. So hold it up by your heart, guys. So this is, this is an illustration to show that Thanksgiving in our hearts. So here's the deal. If it's Thanksgiving in our hearts for each other that opens our hearts to receive what God wants to teach us through each other. So as long as my heart is open to Matt's, and I'm thanking him for, who he, for who, he, who he is and thanking God for him, my heart opens up to receive the stuff that God wants to teach me through Matt. 
And as long as he is also thanking God for me, he will get the stuff that God wants to show him through me as well. Does that make sense? It's thanksgiving in our hearts that opens us up. And because of that, it's thanksgiving that will connect us to each other and build unity. So we are now connected. We are in a position of unity together. Now, keep holding, guys. We'll we'll finish in a minute. If, If it's thanksgiving in our hearts that opens us up to receive from each other and causes unity, the thing that is going to stop that and get in the way is if we judge each other. Judgment in our hearts is what is going to close us off from receiving what God has to teach us from each other, and it's going to bring division. And what happens is when you judge somebody, effectively what you do is you put yourself in a superior position to them, and you look at how they dress or how they behave or decisions they've made in their life, and you think, gosh, that's not very good. If I had been in their position, I probably would have done X, Y, and Z. And we judge what they're doing or what they're saying or how they're behaving without understanding what's really going on in their hearts. We don't take time to really get to know them. And we take a position of superiority. And the reality is we can judge people, sadly, for pretty much anything. Let me give you a list of examples. The way they worship God, the way they meet with the Holy Spirit, the way they spend their time or money, their political opinions, the way they dress, the way they lead the church, the way they raise their kids, and on and on and on. And often judgment is incredibly subtle, but it's just those quick thoughts that pop through our head when we watch someone's behavior or we think about something they've said. And what happens is when we judge people, it puts up barriers in our hearts to receive them. So if I look at Matt and I make a judgment about him, what it does is it cuts off the connection that we once had. And whereas before I was able to receive from him and he was able to receive from me, my judgment puts up a wall of division that cuts us off from each other and it causes division and disunity. Thank you, guys. Judgment brings disunity. And the truth is that this church family is full of amazing people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are amazing. It's true. It's true. It's true, guys. You are amazing. And there, this church is full of amazing people. And you guys, have got, you guys have got the potential to be so rich relationally. So rich relationally. And if you make a choice to thank God for each other, Find stuff to thank God for each other about. You will open your hearts up to each other and the unity in this place will go to a whole new level. And the reality is we can learn from anyone. I was, I was at church several years ago now. I just, I'll never forget it. It was in a worship time and we were worshipping and I just spotted this little girl. She probably would have been four at the time and she started to come and basically do her own version of ballet across the front. It was so cute. She did her little twirls, and she didn't, she, I mean, there's about 400 people in the room, and she's just kind of dancing around, and her dad is at the side, and every so often she stops, and she looks at him to get reassurance, which I thought was a beautiful picture, anyway, of us and the father, and then she danced around again, and a few times she went over to him to try and, and he wasn't, he wasn't having any of it, he was like, no, no, dear, you go, I just watched the whole thing play out. It was amazing. Now, here's the deal. I could have responded to that in a whole host of different ways. 
I could have thought, oh, that's cute. I could have thought, gosh, that's a little bit distracting. Where's her parents? I could have thought, is she allowed to do that? Is that all right? Shouldn't she be staying over there? What I actually ended up doing was I ended up thanking God for her. And then I learned some stuff. And as I thanked God for that little girl who was dancing in front of the church, I felt convicted. I thought, would I do that? (laughs) If God asked me to do that, would I do it? And I learned a lesson from a four-year-old. Because I thank God for her, rather than judging the situation. How are you doing at thanking God for each other? How open is your heart to receive from the person on your left, on your right, behind you, in front of you? Where God sees unity, he commands a blessing. I just want us to take a moment, actually. I think sometimes when it comes to Sundays, I don't know what happens here, but when I travel around at King's Arms, we can go through the information, get to the end and leave, and that's it. (laughs) I want us to take a moment to put this into practice now, and I just want to pray for you guys, pray for myself, and ask God, is there anyone that we have made a judgment about? And I'm just going to ask God to bring that person to mind. Okay, And it's not a heavy thing, you know, the reality is God wants to bring it to mind because he wants to bring restoration, not because he wants to tell you off. He's not into punishing, he's done that. Jesus took all the punishment. He does it very gently. But I just, th- just want to ask him, if there is anyone who you've judged in your heart, in this church family, I want God to bring them to mind so that you can ask God to forgive you and that there can then be restored connection and unity can go to a deeper level. Is that all right? Can I just pray for us? You have to, don't have to go searching. God will bring, it, bring someone to mind if there is anyone. Father, I just thank you uh, for your presence with us right now. Thank you for this church family. I pray, God, if there is anybody in our hearts who we've made judgments about that you just want us to work through, would you show us who they are? Show us who they are, Father, I pray. Thank you, God. Show us who they are, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if God has brought someone to mind, it's very easy to deal with. You, all you do is you just need to repent. Say, Father, I am... I want to repent for judging that person. What repentance means is means to change your thinking. So it doesn't mean I'm going to repent and then continue judging. Okay, Repentance is stronger than that. It's I'm going to repent for that and I'm going to begin to think differently about that person and I'm going to begin to thank God for that person and find things I can thank him for. And that will then restore the connection in your heart between you and them. And every so often, God might want you to go to them personally, but often that's not important. You don't need to do that. It's just about your heart changing so that you can then keep receiving from them and connect with them. Thank you, Father. The other thing I would say, guys, before I move on, is that thanking God for each other doesn't mean that you never, you never, um, you never confront. Okay? It's really important for us to realize it. It doesn't mean if there's someone behaving in a non-godly way maintaining unity doesn't mean you never say anything about it because actually in those situations if you don't say something unity is going to be lost 
So actually, it's incredibly important that in our thanking God for each other, we don't just turn a blind eye to stuff that needs to be talked about, because that is incredibly important as well. Okay? You guys happy? Thank God for each other. Secondly, the second thing, and then we'll pray, is this, a phrase that God said to me several months ago now, which was, don't fill the void. I'm going to explain it to you in just a minute. He said to me, don't fill the void. And I will explain it to you in a minute. But first of all, I just want us to take a moment to celebrate our brains. I didn't realize how amazing my brain was until I read some stuff on the internet a while back, which says that some scientists in the States have recently discovered the human brain has a capacity that is 10 times greater than first thought and can retain 4.7 billion books. Did you know your brain could do that? 4.7 billion books. When I read that, first of all, I felt very convicted that my brain was not being used very much at all. I thought, what am I doing with my brain? My brain is being underused. On top of that, the brain's capacity to retain information, on top of, sorry, on top of the brain's capacity to retain information, it's estimated that our brains handle around 70,000 thoughts a day, 3,000 thoughts an hour, and 50 thoughts a minute. Do you know that about your, your brain? When I read that, it made a lot more sense to me and how crazy my brain goes all the time. I've got so much thoughts rushing through my brain. I thought, oh, that makes sense now. 3,000 thoughts an hour. That I understand. And when I read that, I, I understood afresh why Paul says to the church... Um, why Paul says to the church in Rome, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I thought, oh, that makes sense. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our brains are handling so many thoughts every hour. The way you get transformed is you renew it. You train your brain to think good things. That's why he also said to the church in Philippi, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, Paul is saying it's possible to use your 3,000 thoughts an hour to think about other stuff. And he's saying, don't think about that stuff, think about these things. The battle is in our minds, and the reality is that the 3,000 thoughts we have an hour will either pull us greater into unity or will push us away from the people around us and cause division. Your thoughts are powerful. And God said to me a while back, don't fill the void, and this is why. Have you ever come away from a conversation with someone and replayed the conversation in your mind. Anybody? Okay, and you kind of begin to assess how the conversation went and what the person thought about you based on your own version of events. So you think about the thing you said and the facial expression they made. And you think, I think that meant that they thought what I said was stupid. And they've they've never never said that to you. You've just started to analyze their body, their body how they're holding themselves and their facial expression and that comment they made, I think they must have thought that I was being ridiculous or they didn't agree with what I was saying. And you come away and there's a void of information, but you fill it with your own version of events. Does this relate to anybody? And you, you, you decide what the person felt about you from information you don't have. What's even more crazy is that you then begin to respond to that person based on the story you've made up. Does that relate to anybody here? (laughs) No, 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 no. Here's the deal. If your version of events makes you think they didn't like you, you will take a step back from them relationally. 
That's division. God said to me a while back, while I was reanalyzing stuff, he said, stop filling the void. You don't know that information. Stop making it up. And there's so many interactions we have every day where we could fill the void. There's a void of information. We don't know what people are thinking. You know, we might, get, we might send a text to somebody and they don't reply. And we make up our own version of events as to why they haven't replied to us. They probably don't like me. They're probably angry with me. And then we take a step back relationally. Division. Or we see an event on Facebook, but we're not invited. Oh, why didn't they invite me? We make up our own version of events as to why we're not invited. Or we see someone make a statement on Facebook and we don't get to know what's really in their heart and we make assessments about what they think. And all of these thoughts, if we're thinking the negative stuff, causes division rather than bringing us back together in unity. I've got a couple of tips for you as to how you cannot do that. How to stop filling the void. Number one, one option is that you can have an honest conversation with the person about what it is that you're fearing they might be thinking. So that if you are going to fill the void, you at least fill it with accurate information. Let me give you an example. I was meant to be going to a, a meeting with one of our elders, and the meeting had been in the diary for a very long time, but I'd just come back from the States and I was tired, so I thought the kindest thing I can do for myself is probably not go, but I was nervous. And the lie I was going to believe was, if I don't go to this meeting, he's going to think I'm not committed. So I texted him and said, Phil, I'm feeling tired. I think I probably shouldn't come to the meeting. But the l- I said in the text, the lie I'm believing is that I think if, you, if I don't come to the meeting, you will think I'm not committed. So I just put it out there rather than filling the void. A few minutes later, he texts back this, no probs at all, rest up. I thought, he's not mentioned the lie I said. And God had already been saying to me, don't fill the void. But I didn't listen to him. So he didn't mention, he said no probs. He didn't say no problem. Maybe he's feeling angry. He's, he's kind of sent a short text back. Uh, maybe he thinks I am, I'm not committed. He said no probs, but maybe he does actually think I'm not committed. And I go through this whole, anybody relate to this? <laughs> Fortunately, 20 minutes later, he then texts this. Meant to say before, well done for batting away those lies. We and I value you so much. It's so good to have you back. Rest well, my friend. I was like, phew. <laughs> Here's the deal. If I had gone down that rabbit warren of believing Phil probably was actually angry with me, next time I saw him, I would have taken a relational step back and we would have had some division and he wouldn't have known about it. But in my heart, I would have not have been connected with him in unity. And where God sees unity, he commands a blessing. And here's the deal, guys. I understand you can't ask that question of how people might be feeling every time you get nervous that they might be feeling negative. Because for me, anyway, I would be asking all the time, did you really mean that in that email? Is that what you really meant? You can't ask every time. Sometimes you just have to believe the best. And sometimes the other thing is, sometimes you might ask, is this what you really felt? And they do actually confirm your biggest fears. Okay, they might actually say, actually, yes, you have read that right. And that is a brilliant opportunity to press into your identity in Christ, to know that he loves you just the same. And if you have offended someone, to apologize and to restore connection with them. The most important thing as well is is believe the best. If Phil had not responded to my text, I needed to believe the best. He is a good man. 
and trust that if he needed to talk to me about feeling I wasn't committed, he would do that and stay unified with him, with my heart, stay connected with him. So if you're someone who knows that you fill the void, I want to encourage you, make a decision today, stop it. Stop it. Train your brain not to go there. Use your 3,000 thoughts every hour instead to move towards people, to believe the best. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Because where God sees unity, he commands a blessing. Why don't we stand together?